Um, Children's Church. You don't have to. You can stay. You can stay. I'm joking. Um, No, you can, though. Um, Brian, you coming back? Okay. Uh, I love seeing all those little ones. Isn't that that awesome? Um, um, We are starting back to at our look at um, the Ten Commandments. We come back to to Exodus twenty as God has descended upon Mount Sinai. In all his glory and might and power and through a thunderous voice. The trumpet that's so loud that, as you'll see next week, that the people can't even hear it. It's too much for us. He, he proclaims his, these ten words, these ten commands with all authority and might. To his people, but also we hear them, and from this glorious manifestation on Mount Mount Sinai, we also hear it as words of freedom and liberty to his people. And so we come back to that scene, and and so we're going to focus. And again, this is you might go, we're we're biting off a lot here, (laughs) but um, we'll give it a go. Anyway, (laughs) we're looking at at four commands and we're not going to say everything about these and a, a few of them are kind of hard to talk about in a lot of detail with younger people in the room uh, but um, how are we to see God's law how are we to understand it and how are we to see it in a way that and this is good this is good for us a good word from God that's the that's our point this morning as we look at commands 6 through 9. But before I uh, read the scriptures yet again, and we'll read all of, uh, all of the commands up to 9 this morning. Before I do that, let me, uh, let me pray and ask for God's help for all of us this morning. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you, um, that we, you give us insight into these things. We, we know how you have loved your people since the beginning. You've caused it to be recorded. You've preserved it over thousands of years, thousands and thousands of years. And here we, here we are. We, we, we can read this account. We can hear um, you speak from, from Sinai. Lord, um, may your word just pierce us into our very hearts and accomplish your purpose this morning. Help me to rightly explain and, and apply your word. Um, we need your help. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And God spoke these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. 
You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter or your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor your foreigner residing in your house. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. McCartney and Lennon once wrote, There's nothing you can do that can't be done. There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung. There's nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. Nothing you can make that can't be made. No one you can save that can't be saved. Nothing you can do, but you can learn how to be you in time. It's easy. All you need is Okay, we got it. Okay. All you need is love. All you need is love, love. Love is all you need. That's a great song, isn't it? I mean, everybody knows that song. It's, a, it's you know, geniuses, songwriters, lyrics, the, the, the tune, the melody. It's, so, it's just great, you know? Um, and, and we like the idea of it. Right? Love. All you need is love. It's easy. The simplicity of it. Just love. Let's pray. No. Okay, but what is love? I'm not going to say what does love have to do with it. I'm not doing that. Anyway, there's not... There's, a, there's, there's just... A lot of songs we could do, but I'm not. Okay. But, but what is love, though? Seriously, what is it? It's a great song, but it's, it's, it's vapid. It's, it's not true. I mean, it's true, but in some ways it's true, but, but, but love, well, what is love? Who gets to define love? Is it me? Is it you? What does real love look like in action? And, and that's where God's commandments, the, these ten words, come in. I mean, He's defining love. God, the Creator, is the only one who says and defines what love is. He says, I'm going to tell you how to love me, and I'm going to... And how to love one another. 
That's what we see here today. And, and this is the one another part. We started a couple weeks ago with looking at, 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 commandment, at command number five about parenting, about children loving your parents, honoring them. And now we're looking at these others, other commandments, these, these negations of what we shall not do toward one another. Um, there's, there's three th- ways I want to look at this as we kind of do an overview of, of all four of these. And it, and it comes back to how we are to think about the law, God's law. And um, I want you to see it, that, that the law functions in three ways. I didn't come up with this. Uh, it's there in the scriptures. But John Calvin is the one who kind of brought this home. The, maybe you've heard the, the three uses of the law, the threefold uses of God's law. But we, and when we think about it, we, you know, the, the law, we, we, usually when we come to these verses, it's where we kind of, that becomes more um, obvious to us. But these commands, I want us to think about them in three ways. That they're commands first that preserve and protect God's law, it, it preserves and protects. Secondly, these are commands that expose and convict. And then thirdly, these are commands that guide and reveal. Commands that preserve, preserve and protect, expose and convict, and then finally guide and reveal. Uh, the first one, commands that preser- preserve and protect. And, and this is how most people think of uh, commands 6 through 9, I, I think. Uh, these commands seem universal in a way, don't they? Though the seventh seems less and less so. Um, most every society considers murder, adultery, theft, lying as unethical. So can the covenant people of Yahweh really claim a special claim to this code? I mean, doesn't this just make life and community possible? Well, in some ways, yes. Um, As I was looking and studying the the Reformation Study Bible, some of you might have this, had a great article on Calvin's threefold use of the law. And one function is to, he says, to restrain evil. He goes, though the law cannot change the heart, it can, to some extent, inhibit lawlessness by its threats of judgment, especially when backed by a civil code that administers punishment for proven offenses. Thus, it secures civil order and serves to protect the righteous from the unjust. Again, this is, this is good. God is not just, you know, hey, don't, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness. Why? Because if, if you do, society, community unravels. It, 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 it protects. You, we need protection from, from sin. And he, he gives this word and it, 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 sir, it preserves and protects us as God's people, but also just through His common grace, all people's. These commands have greatly influenced Western civilization, haven't they? Our civil code here in the U.S. reflects 
the ethics spoken by God from Sinai. The word um, translated murder here, which is the Hebrew rasa, refers to one human being killing another human being. But not in the context of war or capital punishment or self-defense. It, 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 it includes both a premeditated, planned killing of another person and even unpremeditated killing, which, is, which we refer to as manslaughter in our civil code. And it also, since there's no particular person specified as the object of the killing, it also includes suicide as off-limits. And we see that still in our laws today. Theft is still a crime. Here, anyway, maybe not in California. I mean, I, you know, I say that these, are, these have been accepted, you know, parts of Western civilization and just what is ethical that this, this God, this Judeo-Christian ethic, this, which finds its, its root here in the Ten Commandments, has, has shaped our society. But you do see less and less being the case. But here, theft is still a crime. Our right to work and buy and own property is protected. It's, it's, it was there in, in Israel. As, we, as you keep reading and keep reading his law, there's, if you took something, you had to, there was restitution. You had to pay back double. You had to make up for losses. And, and, and if you take something that belonged to you, but even today, by God's grace, if, you, if someone steals from you, you can appeal to the authorities. If you're caught stealing, there are consequences for that. In a court of law, when you bear false witness or lie under oath, one is guilty of perjury. If you write something untrue about someone, there's, you can be sued for libel. And, and, and even today, our country, our laws, our civil code, there's protection for your reputation and, and your person and... And, and trying to uphold truth for all. And though adultery, which can be narrowly defined as a married individual having an intimate relationship with anyone other than his or her spouse, and though it's not illegal, again, our Western civilization, our Western culture, was shaped by a view that marriage and family serve as the foundation of civilization. And when these relationships are compromised, families and communities as a whole are adversely affected. There are even non-Christians that would attest to this as just common grace. There are sociologists who do studies and say, like, if, if, if a family is, is split or if there's compromised or if there's not two parents present, that, that children are, can be affected. And again, I'm not, I don't mean that to convict or to weigh you down. I mean, we've all struggled. We all, there's, and, and God is, gra- is gracious for single parents and helps. And, but you see this, these truths play out. So these, these laws, they preserve community and, and, and protect the righteous from the unjust. And, and we, God is blessing Israel by saying, this, this will go better for you. if you abide by these things and refrain from these things. They preserve and protect. However, we can't stop there, can we? 
We should not come to think of these divine commands as mere civil codes, as laws that any well-meaning, conscientious citizen can and will keep. Sometimes you think about these. These are the ones you look at and go, all right, well, I'm getting something right. Hmm. These are also commands that are given to expose and convict. Why did he have to speak? You know, sometimes we look at these and go, well, okay, I'm, I haven't murdered anybody today. I haven't, I haven't been arrested for theft. I haven't, you know, perjured myself in a trial. You know, still, still with my spouse. You know, I'm, I'm kind of getting this right, but... Why did, think about why did God have to say these things? If you read, if you read, if you read, just looking at Genesis, really, <laughs> these these laws were already in effect because it's it's the very character of God. So just because He didn't, they weren't stated and written in stone as they are here. There was still sin; it was still violation, and we go. It didn't take long to see. Um, Sinful man pushing back and breaking these laws. You see, in the very in, in, in the early chapters of Genesis, Cain murdered Abel. The first siblings they fought, and not just fought. There was murder. Lamech took two wives, just a few generations. After creation, Adam and Eve, they took fruit from the only tree that didn't belong to them. <laughs> right? And then Abraham lied about being married to Sarah. Jacob lied to his father about his identity. Man. These things needed to be said. <laughs> the result of, of sin, the result of the fall, murder and adultery, theft, lying, entered in. David, you think, well, those are not all, maybe those aren't all Christians, they're not all believers, but David broke all four of these commands when he took Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. He murdered him. He committed adultery. He took what wasn't his. And he lied to everyone, his whole kingdom, and to Uriah. Again, we must note that not all the Bible is prescriptive. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Some people, you talk to them and go, hey, this is wrong. Well, David did it, <laughs> Solomon had a bunch of wives. You ever have people like this? Like, it's not all prescriptive. This is not, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> it's descriptive in much of it. It describes the sinful state of man. Just because a Bible character did it doesn't mean it's good to go. It's in the Bible. I'm going to do it. No, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible you better not do, right? I mean, it's sin. Brokenness all around. The Bible isn't a book of heroes that get it right. 
be, be a Daniel, dare to be a, a David, dare to, you know. No one says, dare to be a Samson. Why not? I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's a trail of brokenness. It's a, it's, a, it's a list of people that can't keep the law and God keeps pursuing and loving. That's the story. Even the laws about how we deal with each other, we, we utterly fail at. Again, you might be thinking, but Grant, I've never stolen anything. I've never cheated on my spouse. I've never murdered anyone. These are the ones I can do. But again, that's all that is is the echo of the rich young ruler from Luke where he goes, God, Jesus, how do I enter into the kingdom? He goes, well, keep the commandments. And he lists these commandments. He lists these four. And he goes, I've done all that. And then he asks a, he gives him a command that drives to the heart of, really, I, I believe, that the, the positive side of, of, of thou shalt not steal. His, how do you view your, your possessions? Give it up and help the poor. And he just walks away. Can't, he can't do it. He exposes his sin. Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount that every commandment has... According to Sinclair Ferguson, he says it has an, an outside and an inside. He, says, he goes on to say the real significance of the commandments and the real challenge of the commandments is not just about our outward behavior, but about our inner spiritual condition. In Matthew 5.21, he says, You have heard that it was said... To those of old you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Matthew 5, 27, he goes on to say, You've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Later, Jesus tells us not to retaliate. He tells us to love our enemies. You know, it's not usually out of, it is, it is, is it not, sorry, I can't read, is it not usually out of anger and desire for revenge that we slander and gossip and bear false witness? I'm going to let that, just let that sink in. What Jesus says, to break this commandment, not outwardly, but inwardly, is deserving of, and this is Jesus, this is not like, um, you know, Jonathan Edwards, this isn't, you know, I'm not a brimstone, you know, <laughs> preacher, I'm not, but listen, he goes, it deserves the hell of fire. 
If we're looking at these commands as purely civil code, if we're looking at them and going, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping that. If that's where we stop, then we're in grave danger. These laws come from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has, he has commanded and dictated what love and righteousness is. And I say is, that's not incorrect speech. It's the same thing, love and righteousness. Rick's helped us see that. He's, he's beat that drum. To be righteous towards someone is to love someone. To love someone is to be righteous. It's to love rightly according to God's Word. He says, this is how we love one another and none of us can do it. We all fall short of the glory of God indeed, in word and in thought. Sin is not just something we do, it describes our condition. And hear this, if you are apart from Christ, you stand condemned, a condemned murderer, adulterer, thief, and a liar. What do we do with that? Like I said in the second point, it's these commands are to do what? They are to expose and convict. And what do we do with conviction of sin? What's the answer? We run to the cross. And there we find forgiveness. Romans 3, it, it sums this up. It says, Romans 3.19, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. There is the, it's been exposed. There is the conviction. And now what do we do? He says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. Here we are. We've seen it already. We've seen it in Exodus. The, 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 the law bearing witness. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe... That's what we do. The law is to, when we read these, we go, it's not just outward, it's outward and inward. And we failed outwardly and inwardly to keep this law, but what do we do with that? We run, we run to Jesus. He says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the only place we can find it. The only place to be to find redemption is in Christ who was put forward as the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice by His blood. And this is received by what? By faith. Just, and I say just, <laughs> but not works, but it's a faith, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that you can't well up in yourself and do. It's a gift from God. So that he might be the justifier, might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. 
Augustine wrote, The law bids us, as we try to fulfill its requirements and become wearied in our weakness under it, to know how to ask the help of grace. I'll read it again. The law bids us, as we try to fulfill its requirements and become wearied in our weakness under it, to know how to ask the help of grace. Yes, the law is for our protection and for preserving us, but it also is a mirror reflecting to us both the perfect righteousness of God and our own sinfulness and shortcomings. It makes us run to our Savior. It's a mirror... that drives us to Christ, it preserves and protects, but also these commands, they're commands that guide and reveal. That's this third function, the third use, is to guide us as those who have run to Christ, the regenerate, to guide us in the good works that God has planned for us. Quoting Ephesians 2.10. That just because Christ has kept the law and has done the, and fulfilled the law's demands, now, it's, and it doesn't condemn us, but it's still a God. It still has validity to us now. It's why, we're, why I'm preaching on it and why we, we look at it and say it's a law of liberty that those of us who've been set free in Christ, now we look at it and it gives us a God to how to live life. Now, in Christ, by the work of the Spirit, we can begin to, to die more and more to sin and live more into this righteousness, this beauty, beautiful law that's been given. We can say with the psalmist that it's honey on our tongues, it's sweet, it's good. I love it because it no longer just condemns, but it, it shows us the way of life that is truly life. Now you might be thinking, how, where is a life that's true to life just in not doing things? <laughs> don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't, don't steal. Don't lie. Where's the... How does that... What, that, that just, that's all don'ts. Where's the positive? Well, in our Westminster Larger Catechism, number 99, I know you all know it by heart. Do you need me to read it? Okay, I'll read it. Um, the question is, what rules are to be observed for the right understanding of the Ten Commandments? That seems to be applicable here, right? Um, and this is the fourth rule. That as where a duty is commanded... The contrary sin is forbidden. And where a sin is forbidden, the contrary duty is commanded. Does that make sense? With every... With, keep the Sabbath holy means don't work. Don't labor. Don't treat it as another day. There's, that's the negative. But with thou shalt not, there's a positive that goes with it. And it's not just that you're preserved, that, okay, I'm, no one's going to murder me, no one's going to steal from me, no one's, you know, I, I, can, I can rest, I can have some protection. Um, it's not just that it, that it gives me, uh, that it drives me to Jesus, which is immensely important, but, but there's also a positive action required. The opposite of murder is loving your neighbor, seeking their benefits, seeking their life, even loving your enemy. That's the positive side of it. I'm uh, trusting God with with justice and trusting that vengeance is His and not mine that, that I can rest in His perfect righteousness 
And that there is vindication. I don't have to pursue that or take that up myself. I, I, can, I can trust God with that. I can love and preserve life and seek to, to, to keep life. That's the positive. Uh, what's the positive of, of thou shalt not commit adultery? It's holding marriage in high regard. If you are married, it means striving in the power of the Spirit to, to live out Ephesians 5, 22-33, to, 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 to lay down your life, husbands, for your wife. Wife, to submit in all things unto the Lord, to your husband, and, and, and to show each other grace. And if, you're not, uh, if you're not married yet, it's, it's waiting until your wedding day to be intimate. Or starting now, deciding I'm going to wait until my wedding day to, to be intimate. It's, it's turning and, and trusting that God knows best and that, that He's not holding out on me by saying just one person. One person of the opposite sex. There's, there's beauty and there's truth in that. It's, it's how, what's the opposite of, of theft? It's giving. That's an easy one. What's the opposite of taking? What's not yours is being generous with what you have. It's patiently waiting on the Lord to provide instead of taking it into your own hands. What's the opposite of lying? It's speaking. What's the opposite of bearing false witness? It's speaking kind words. Speaking honest words to one another. You know, it goes on to say, you know, even false flattery is bearing false witness. You know? Like if you don't think I'm a good preacher and you tell me, you're lying. You're bearing false witness. Anyway, um, truth in love is important, right? Not just being a truth teller, but it's doing it in a loving way. Kind, honest words. Not, not flattery. That's kind of a southern thing. We like to say things that are, you know. You know, like Andy Griffith's show. Great show. We call it the Gray Show at our house. I'll let that sink in. It's the Gray Show. Uh, that's what girls call it. Um, have you noticed that every that only the, the the way Andy solves many things is just lying? Have you noticed that? Go back and watch it through that lens. It's it's very interesting. Um, uh, who's the one that comes in when he's needs to needs to sleep it off? What's his name? He's the most honest person in the show. He's my hero. Anyway, no. He's just like, I did it again. Anyway. <laughs> um, but there's, there's a positive action. Speaking kind words. Speaking the truth. Even when it costs us something. These, these commands not only convict, but they, they, um, they guide. They also do another thing. This is where we'll end. They reveal. They reveal. They reveal what? The, the character of God. The, the person, the character of 
Jesus Christ is revealed here. Because again, it, it, they, they provide a guide that you know, an opposite positive duty that we are to, to strive to, to keep and do. But but it shows us who God is. He's the opposite of these things. He's he's not the, a, a murderer and, and just blind blind rage does he condemn. But it's it's through justice and rightness that he condemns. He's he's primarily not a, a taker of life, but he's a giver of life, a preserver of life. Think about it. Is how do we know the Father is through Jesus and Jesus laid down his life to preserve our life. He loved us while we were still his enemies. We see in these in these in these commands it, it, it reveals the nature of God. He's he's the opposite of a murderer. He's a life giver. He's a life he lays down his life for others. He's the perfect bridegroom. He loves his church. He'd do anything for. And even as it shows again and again through the the prophets that that Israel continually cheats on him and continually turns the other way, turns to, to, to these false lovers, he keeps pursuing and loving no matter what. He's faithful. He keeps His covenant. He doesn't take. He gives. He doesn't steal. How can God steal? He owns everything. Everything is His. That's true. But what does He do? He doesn't take from you. And sometimes we think about that. God is just a taker. You know, when we go through a hard time, and that's real, it feels like God's stealing something from me. You ever felt that way? An opportunity that fell through, a job, a Someone you know that you've been praying for and they seem to be doing better and then, mm, whatever it is, like, are you taking... No, he's... Even in those things, even in the trials and tribulations, he's giving. He's, he's conforming us to his image. He's sanctifying us. He's making us like Christ. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. And then finally, he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no falsehood in him. And that's what makes these... These commands, these, these breaking these commands so offensive is that it goes against the nature and character of God Himself. We see God clearly as we see the opposite of them, the positive duty. That, that, that's who He is. A life giver, faithful to His covenant, giver of every good gift, and always true. That is our God. That, this is the God that speaks. And as Christians, we need to see the law in that way, as a God and a revealer of the goodness of God. But also as that we never, ever, ever look at these as something that's just outward. It's like the, quote, easy part of living the Christian life or living life in this world, no, apart from Him, we stand condemned. We need Christ and His righteousness. We need this perfect man, the perfect atoning sacrifice. We need the cross. We need the resurrection. And that's what we're doing now. We're going to end with that thought of, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that... I don't stand on my own merits.
thank you for the Holy Spirit that allows me to begin to live as you have commanded. And we come to the table recognizing that it's by His work, by His death, His resurrection, that those things are true. That there is an answer to our unrighteousness. That there is a, a way to see and experience the law as a law of life and liberty. There's conviction and then there's hope here in His commands. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that Your, your law brings us low, strips us of all self-reliance and self-righteousness, and then shows us the way of life, the way to You, Lord, we thank You that Your, your righteousness was revealed apart from the law and that through Your righteousness, through the work of Your Spirit, Holy Spirit, we thank You that we can now more and more live the life that's truly life, live according to Your commands. Lord, um, use this time of worship to that end, our edification, our growth in grace. Use the sacrament to that end. We give You thanks. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. invite you brothers and sisters in Christ to come to the table, come and um, know that what Christ has done on the cross really is for your forgiveness, for your atonement. He's the atoning sacrifice that takes away sin and, and He's done it. It's finished. Um, run to Him. Run to the cross. Run, run to Him. Recognize you have no hope. Be, I hope that you, we all stand here convicted of sin convicted of the law's demands, but know that there is help, that there is forgiveness in Christ, in Him alone. So Christian, come and partake. Let this sacrament, this, these, these, um, these elements, 
these outward signs and seals be it to encourage you in your spirit, strengthen your faith, assure you of what Christ has done and is doing and will do for you. If you're an unbeliever, if you're a skeptic, refrain. Don't come. This is a table for, for Christians. Um, but take time to, to think on these things, to, to realize the, the demands of the law and also the, the immenseness of God's grace to sinners like you, like me. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, come and partake of this meal by faith.